What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to Tap Outs and Touchdowns. After a two-week vacation, I am back on the air with episode three. As always, it's your guy, Bully Ryan. Like I said, I took a, a short vacation, and as many of you can probably relate to, I now need a vacation from that vacation. Uh, before we get started in the show, just a reminder on how you can get in touch with me. You can follow me on Twitter, at tapouts and TDs. You can always email the show, tapoutsandtouchdowns at gmail.com, or you can like and follow me on Facebook at tapouts and touchdowns. Now, we've got a pretty interesting show today. Uh, first one back, like I said, after a couple of weeks. We've got a, a nice main event in store for you where I'm going to break down the NFC South for this coming NFL season. We've got a brand new Gridiron Man of the Week. And right about now, I'm going to debut a new segment that I will be getting some shows with, and I like to call it the opening bell. And this week's opening bell is brought to you by Fricktastic Crafts. Fricktastic Crafts brings you beautiful, handmade, personalized gifts at affordable prices. They specialize in custom clothing, kitchenware, wall art, car decals, and much, much more. Shop online today at fricktasticcrafts.etsy.com. Or find and like them on Facebook by searching for Fricktastic Crafts. And since I happen to know the owner, enter the code TNT and get 10% off your next order. That's fricktasticcrafts.etsy.com. Enter the code TNT and get 10% off your next order. Uh, before we begin with opening bell, I actually want to want to make a shout out to that uh, Fricktastic Crafts for real. I am uh, I've been running a fantasy league. For the last uh, almost 10 years now. And the majority of the group, the majority of the league are all the same people. If you listened to the BRBT podcast, we, I spoke about this league before. Well, last year I went to Fricktastic Crafts to make me some customized league shirts. And I'm doing it again this year because they turned out so well. If you go to my Facebook page at Tapouts and Touchdowns, I'll post a picture of what those shirts turned out to look like last year. Really good stuff, uh, like I said in the, in the, in the reads, so to speak. Uh, a lot of good stuff that, that the owner of Fricktastic Crafts can do for you. Now, this week's opening bell is, is a pretty, pretty wide discussion, and it's not going to be easy to discuss it by myself. But it's a conversation that has been going on for quite some time, and it <laughs> involves paying college athletes there's a very it's a very polarizing subject there's a lot of people who think that well the while these universities and the NCAA itself makes millions upon millions of dollars off of some of these sports that these players are, are getting a free education and that's that's what they get for it whereas if you look at someone say like Marcus Lattimore who went to school, went to college, and was unable to make it into the NFL because of, of serious knee injuries. And he didn't get paid a dime while he was at the University of South Carolina. So rather than, than try to do the pros and cons of paying college athletes, because I know I'm going to have some disagreements here, I'm just going to give you my stance, and I'm going to tell you why I feel that way, and how that way can be sustainable. These, these specifically college football and college basketball are, are multi-million dollar revenue generating organizations or, or, or sports. I mean, you can, you can go and, and look up the numbers yourselves if you're, if you're that, that interested, but you can take my word for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's simply common, common knowledge. So why aren't some of these athletes being paid? Why aren't specifically the college football and college basketball players, the quote-unquote big-name sports, why aren't these athletes being paid? I'm not even saying pay them a salary as a competitive salary with pro sports, but there should be more than just a full-ride scholarship program for some of these athletes, and I've got the perfect solution. If you know me, you know that I, I play a lot of video games. 
and the one video game that I would get on a year-by-year basis, regardless of how much or how little the new version advanced from the previous version, you could always bank on the fact that I was getting the NCAA football video game by EA Sports. This game has obviously not been put out since NCAA 14 because of the lawsuits uh, regarding players' likenesses uh, without consent, without permission, uh, that resulted in a $40 million settlement with EA Sports and the Collegiate Licensing Corporation uh, around this situation. Now, there's a, there's a lot of information to go into, so I hope you'll bear with me through it because there's a lot of really good information on why you can take the, the much-in-demand NCAA football by EA Sports video game, put it back on the market, and still give back to the, to the student-athletes in a way that does not quote-unquote professionalize them. So if we go back a few years, specifically the years that the last year the NCAA football game was available, the NCAA revenue uh, went from $875 million to $999 million. So you see a significant jump uh, around that time frame that the NCAA itself was making. And, you know, you can argue that they're, they're putting the money back into other sports and into other, you know, whatever the case is. But that's a lot. $999 million is a lot of money. That alone, to say that you can't give money back to some of these student-athletes who are putting their careers on the line to go to college primarily because they don't have another alternative to, to go into. Now, I mentioned uh, in, in my pilot episode regarding the XFL, that might change with college football or potential college football athletes. And we've already seen a couple of, of highly touted high school players announce that rather than go to college, they're choosing to go play abroad rather than go into collegiate sports because they can see a $999 million revenue. And this was five years ago. Uh is just too much for them not to be getting anything back. Now, if you break down the numbers, uh, you can you can look at Forbes Sport Money, uh, Sports Money article by uh, Roger Groves in 2013. NCAA football uh, through EA Sports generated more than 1.3 billion dollars with a B since it launched in 1998. Um, and that, that number was, was brought about by the NPD Group Incorporated Market Research and Tracking Firm. Uh, again, so the NCAA football game alone had brought in $1.3 billion. We obviously remember, the if, if, if you're not a video game fan or whatever the case is, uh, the EA NCAA basketball game, uh, largely uh, in, re- resulting from a drop in sales, uh, was discontinued after 2009. Now, obviously EA Sports Football continued to be released until 2013 when the last game was released. And EA Sports executive Joel Linzer, Linz, it's L-I-N-Z-N-E-R, you can pronounce it however you want, testified in June of 2014 that the NCAA football game had been doing about $80 million uh, per year uh, in, in revenue on the sale of roughly 2 million units. Broken down, that's about $40, different, uh, $40 a unit, which if, if you've ever bought a video game, I, I, I'm remembering, I'm, I'm going based off of what the numbers are, what the prices are for most games these days. It's a $20 markup to get them to about $59.99 or so. And then you can sell deluxe editions and this, that, and the other. Um, but nonetheless, that's, again, $80 million in revenue from 2 million units. It's, again, a lot of money that they're generating. Um, you know, it's all this, all this kind of adds up to the fact that 
there's no reason when when there's a demand for this video game. I mean, it's with with, and and I'm gonna go super nerd on anybody who's not a video game nerd like myself, but the Xbox One uh, has gone into backwards compatibility, and one of the most demanded games that they that folks want to play on their Xbox One is NCAA 14. Obviously, being the last game in the series, folks still want to play it. However, that is one of the few games and one of the games that you probably will never see become backwards compatible on the Xbox One because of the licensing issues and, and that sort of thing. So, again, there's demand for the game. And I, I think that we can turn that demand into a beneficial for the consumer in a sense that it's beneficial for me. For, for video gamers who want to play the college football video game on an annual basis, where you can also benefit the players, where not only do you have to worry about whether or not you can use their, their likeness, but you can use them and, and build a scholarship program off of them. It seems like it makes too much sense, uh, you know, from, from one's perspective, but, but you know, I, I'll, I'll present the other arguments in a second on why well, you can't just pay the football players and not pay the other the other athletes for some of the smaller sports at the schools. So my idea was essentially for a, a, for the NCAA or the, the universities with football programs to have a deadline uh, to submit the roster uh, to EA Sports or whatever game company is presenting or, or manufacturing the, the game itself to include not just scholarship players, but walk-on players who make, let's say, a, a 70, 80-man roster. Include everybody who's on the team on that roster by that date so that you, you're not worried about, well, the scholarship players, you know, the, the Jadavion Clowney, the um, Trevor Lawrence, the Melvin Ingram... The, the, the Mark Ingram, the, the star players, I, I, I meant to say Mark Ingram since he was a Heisman Trophy winner and Melvin Ingram was not, um, there's no added bonus for them being a scholarship player. The, the, that same opportunity would be available for, for all players. Now, every single player who is submitted to EA Sports to be included on the NCAA video game roster receives a quote-unquote EA Sports Scholarship. I mean, you can make it $1,000 a semester, uh, whatever the case, whatever, however you want to work it out, $1,000 a semester, $2,000 a year. That's still not much. But the scholarship, if, if you know anything about college admissions and, and university on, on how you, you pay your tuition and stuff like that, if you have scholarships and you have grants, and those scholarships or grants exceed what your tuition and, and that sort of thing is, you get an overage check. So it's not like, hey, it's not like these, these universities are going to these athletes and saying, hey, come to Alabama, come to Clemson, come to Ohio State, because I can put you in a, in a video game and you can get an extra $10,000 a year, whatever the case might be. Every single school, every single student athlete on these teams that are included on these video games would be getting the exact same scholarship provided by EA Sports. I mean, you could even go as far as to say you're only allowed naming rights, uh, you're only, you're, the naming rights and, and their, their uniform numbers. You know, you don't have to use their, their, their face as a likeness. I mean, you can use their physical attributes, their height and weight, uh, their hometown and their collegiate year. But if, if you want to go so far as to say, well, it's going to take way too much and be way too much to try to put everybody to facial software so that you can scan everybody's faces like they do for the Madden games and every other you know high-tech game for that matter, I'm fine without doing it. All you'd be giving these folks the EA scholarship for is to include their name, their, their attributes, and their, their uniform numbers in the video game. Not only would it be benefiting the players, but it would be benefiting the video gamers as well. Because if you've ever played a college sports video game, 
the first thing you do is you're scounging around the downloads to see who's got the closest thing to an accurate roster. Well, that no longer has to happen anymore. EA Sports has now the, the naming rights in exchange for that scholarship so that they can keep all that stuff up to date for you. I mean, if there's 105 players rostered on the average college football team, 130 teams in college football, uh, which I believe if, if I did this research a while ago and I'm pretty sure that's what I came, that's what it came to found out. If you did $2,000 a year, that's $27,300,000 that will be spent in scholarships to players used in the NCAA video game. Again, at roughly $40 a unit, 2 million units generate $800 million in revenue. That's less than half of the revenue that EA Sports is generating. You could also, as EA Sports has been known to do, or whatever company decides to manufacture and put out these, these college sports games, they can add in the purchasable, downloadable content, the DLC, if you will, Microtransactions have become a, a huge thing. Even in what they call the free mobile games that you play on your phone, you can you can get an advantage if you pay for for different packs or different different downloadable content that's that's available for these games. And they can do the same thing to where they can they can generate the same revenue they were generating prior to. Uh, most importantly, every school uh, that has a, a college football program are paid the exact same for licensing rights, negotiated by the NCAA and its school's presidents to avoid any kind of unfair recruiting. So you could be the number one recruit in the country, and you could commit to Alabama, you could commit to Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, wherever you want to go. You get the same exact scholarship from EA Sports to be on that video game as a walk-on for Coastal Carolina or the University of Ohio. That way you're not you're not it's, it's not one of those things that the schools can use as leverage for you for you to continue to go to the big schools. Continue to keep that competitive advantage or that competitive recruiting nature so that it's not you know, it doesn't. It doesn't continue to be as as beneficial. You know, you're, you're not going to see those teams, the lower tier teams, the Conference USA teams, the the Big East, whatever they call it these days. Now, you're not going to see those teams start to fold because the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the Pac-12 are continuing to to get these recruits because of any sort of misconstrued idea of, of an added benefit because every single player, every single player in the country would, would get the same thing. The market's still there, if not, like I said, if not bigger than it was back in 2013. I mean, like I said, they were charging $40 a unit, Xbox, PlayStation, I think it was on the U at that point, the, the Nintendo Wii. With a $20 markup, I mean, they could charge an average of an $80 a unit and it would more than generate enough revenue to counteract the scholarships that they'd be paying out. I mean, if you think about it, there's there's already people who pre-order a special edition, collector's edition games with with uh, you know steel books and 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 all that sort of stuff. There's a market specifically for college football video games where they could increase the price of the game. And by the mere fact of having the game on the market, you're going to have people buying it. Now, if they did want to increase the price because they still wanted to make it affordable to the everyday player, you know, after, I mean, we're in, it's in 2019. So after six years of not having the game, I think if you said, hey, there's EA Sports NCAA football 2020, I think you would blow that $2 million or that 2 million unit market out of the water. Well, then you're going to have a lot of people, based on my idea, say, well, what about the schools without football programs? 
I mean, they're already struggling at a disadvantage in schools with football teams. Um, if if they were to go back and start developing college basketball games, uh, were you know better made than than the last one that was the last game in the series, these schools could be used in that basketball game, and they would generate the same income, the same scholarship income from that. So even though there's 130 universities with college football teams, you've got so many more with college basketball teams. And the, believe it or not, there's, there's still that market for college basketball. I know, I know I even said that in 2009 was the last edition of NCAA basketball because of a drop in sales. The drop in sales had to do with the fact that, that was right around the time that 2K Sports was releasing your NBA games. And those games were blowing the college basketball games, or I'm sorry, the EA Sports put out NBA games out of the water. If you put competition there, have multiple game developers be able to create a, you know, NCAA 2K, EA Sports, NCAA Basketball 2000, whatever, you could generate the same scholarship money for all the other universities uh, to, to be able to include that, that need and that income as well. And then the other argument that I that I normally hear when I've talked about this with other people before is what about the uh, the women's sports and the smaller sports at the smaller schools? We're talking college baseball, volleyball, uh, even lacrosse. Um, you know, lacrosse, the sports that you see when it comes time for the NCAA tournaments on ESPN, but you don't really hear about much the rest of the year. Well, any school with a decent football pro- program is – already generating a, a ton of money um, without uh, EA Sports to fund or reinvest into the other programs. If the, devan- if the demand is there for a NCAA women's basketball game, NCAA baseball, NCAA beach volleyball, if there's, if there's a demand for it, they can make the game and do the same thing. The scholarships will apply to those athletes too. It's not just, you know, I've I've keep hearing when when I've had this conversation with people before, the whole Title IX situation. You can't pay the male athletes and not offer to pay the women. If there's a market for the game, then make the game and pay the women the same. Otherwise, the what the university is going to be making from the EA licensing can be applied to the other sports, and since it's going to be the same at all schools. Nobody to say that anybody was getting an advantage with it. So, you know, I mentioned everybody gets the same licensing fee to use those those school logos and campus pictures, you know, stadiums in the games. The money they generate off of that, they're not getting right now. And they can take that and fund the other sports in, you know, in, in that at that university. I mean, I'm thinking based on just on South Carolina alone. The football program makes enough money. I mean, we, we've seen all we've seen how much has been invested in a school like University of South Carolina the last couple of years. Well, the other sports aren't struggling. Women's tennis just won the SEC championship. Uh, men's golf made it to the NCAA tournament. The other sports are doing well. They're reinvesting and bringing new facilities for the for the athletic department. And that can happen across the board, even if you bring back something like like NCAA football on EA Sports. Now, this 20-minute rant or so can, is, is entirely selfish because not only do I feel like student-athletes deserve something more than just a scholarship to play a sport in college, but I really want my NCAA football back. I mean, if as as a college graduate, I know what it, I know what it took to get through. These athletes aren't allowed to get jobs, specifically the ones on scholarship, aren't allowed to get jobs. And depending on what the scholarship is worth, what the university, you know, what the tuition cost at the at the school is worth, some of these students, some of these student athletes, yeah, they might be getting a, a free college education, and that's when, well, that's what you, that's what they get paid for. Yeah, but. Tell that to tell that to Marcus Lattimore, 
who didn't get to live out his NFL dream. Now, granted, he's, he's doing fine for himself now, and he had a great attitude about what happened to him. But I guarantee you that if he if, if it could go back and he, and he could do it all over again, he, he might just maybe say, well, you know what, I, I wish I could have at least played in the NFL for at least one season. And that's the risk these athletes are putting themselves through every time they get onto a court or they go onto a field as a college athlete. And all the more, you see more and more every year, Student-athletes are, are being forced to retire from the sport before they even get out of college. You can't tell me that, that the NCAA, who in 2014 was making $999 million, the college football playoff has generated ungodly revenue. The NCAA tournament is one of the biggest events, not in just college sports, in sports at all, every single year. You cannot tell me that there's no way that you can you cannot give back something to the student athletes. And something as simple as a video game can can totally be doable and, and can really uh, benefit athletes and, and video gamers all across the country. Coming up next, this week's edition of the Gridiron Man. Stay tuned. This week's Gridiron Man is brought to you by 123 Pins and Collectibles. From lapel pins to t-shirts and more, 123 Pins is your one-stop shop for custom-made pro wrestling merchandise. In business since 2016, 123 Pins now features the Gorilla Position. Become a member and earn special rewards and exclusive offers. Visit 123pins.us to shop all of the latest pins and collectibles. 123 Pins and Collectibles, for Smarks, by Smarks. Now, shout out to my friend Eddie Mac, Eddie McDonald, a.k.a. Petty Eddie. A couple weeks ago, I reached out to social media to see if I could find, I don't know, any interest in a Gridiron Man Award uh, for the week. Petty Eddie came up with today's. So thank you, Eddie. This week's Gridiron Man is none other than the bro, Matt Riddle. Now, granted, Matt Riddle <laughs> doesn't have... Uh, any football experience per se, but he is a very talented uh, MMA fighter and amateur wrestler. When in high school, he was the 2004 New York State Wrestling Champion, and when in high school, he pinned John Jones, well-known, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, outside of his, his drug-related incidents, uh, fighters in UFC history. Now, granted, I wrestled in 2005, and I'm glad that I didn't wrestle in the state of New York because I'm sure if I was in the same weight class as Matt Riddle, he probably would have wiped the mat with my face. After high school, he attended East Stroudsburg University on a wrestling scholarship. Uh, after his coach was fired two years later, he lost his scholarship and went into mixed martial arts now uh, he was a mixed martial arts mma professional from 2008 to 2014 going uh fighting 13 times with with an eight and three record and two no decisions one by not one win by knockout one by tap out and one by disqualification he lost in two decisions and one knockout. Now, he, was, he probably became most famous in Season 7 of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, yeah, a really, really hot commodity when he got out of MMA to go into pro wrestling. And he has not looked back ever since. He wrestled, he pro debuted professional wrestling in February of 2015 at the Monster Factory. Uh, he signed to the World Wrestling Network to work Evolve events later that year, and then he signed to WWN in April of 2016. Uh, PWG, uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, he debuted for them on September 3rd. He also wrestled for Rev Pro Wrestling and CZW. 
He was uh, also, I, I mentioned a second ago, he signed to WWN in April of 2016. He would go on to become the inaugural WWN champion. In 2018, he made big news when he signed to NXT, the quote-unquote minor league part of WWE in 2018. As far as his championships in the ring goes, uh, he was a one-time Evolve Championship uh, winner. He was the Monster Factory heavyweight champion one time. He was the Progress Atlas champion, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know much about Progress. I have a few friends that do. Apparently, they put on really good shows. When I was looking up information on Matt Riddle, I had no idea what the Atlas champion was. But he won it twice, so good for him. Uh, he also was a Pro Wrestling Gorilla or PWG Tag Team Champion with friend Jeff Cobb. Shout out to Jeff Cobb. He did a signing with the sponsor of this segment, 123 Pins. I believe it was 2017 WrestleCon. So shout out to Jeff Cobb, Tag Team Champions in PWG with Matt Riddle. And then as I stated before, he was the inaugural and one-time WWN champion. I tell you what, if you have not watched NXT lately and you have not seen Matt Riddle wrestle, first of all, his gimmick is amazing. Uh, I think he's got what it takes to be a star uh, in the future for not just WWE, but professional wrestling. I mean, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a unique look. He, he's got sort of a, a late 90s skater you know, feel to him, which is, is different now. And yeah, he's, he's, he's an MMA fighter. So he knows how to strike. He, he knows how to wrestle, obviously a, a former state wrestling champion in the state of New York. So he's got plenty of background. So be on the lookout and start. If, if you don't have a subscription to WWE network, I don't want to try to plug them, but nonetheless, you want to, to look them up and, and take a look at Matt Riddle. He's, he's, he'll, I promise you, you, you will not be disappointed. Coming up next, this week's main event. Who do I have taking the NFC South? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome back, everybody. To the main event of this week's episode, where yours truly, your guy Billy Rye, is going to break down the NFC South for the upcoming 2019-2020 NFL season. Now, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to discuss any of my picks or anything at all, you can reach the show again on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs, on Facebook at Tapouts and Touchdowns, or by email at Tapouts and Touchdowns at gmail.com. So in my last episode, I previewed the AFC South. I figured this week, why not do the NFC South? It is a, a division near and dear to my heart, as the Carolina Panthers belong in this division. I, I've made it clear that I will pull for the Panthers as long as Cam Newton is not on the field. Uh, so I try to take my bias out when coming up with my my predictions. So let's get right into it. I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Uh, this year, I uh, have finishing dead last in the NFC South with a record of 5-11, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Buccaneers had a sort of, I wouldn't say eventful offseason, but they definitely had a, a newsworthy offseason with the hiring of head coach Bruce Arians, who retired from Arizona a few years back to just decide to come back and take this job with Tampa Bay. A lot of new faces that will be on that coaching staff as well. I believe I saw an offensive assistant, Antoine Randall L., which I was not expecting to see. But nonetheless, a newsworthy offseason for the Bucks, no less. If you look, uh, the, some notable ads and losses, uh, I know they drafted a linebacker from LSU in the first round, uh, Devin White, a very highly touted linebacker out of LSU. Uh, they added running back Andre Ellington, 
And then, obviously, uh, they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, who uh, Fitzmagic was lighting up the league last year uh, during the first few weeks of the season when Jameis Winston was suspended. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has moved on to the Miami Dolphins. And Deshaun Jackson has been traded back to the Philadelphia Eagles. So the uh, Deshaun Jackson-Mike Evans tandem is no more in Tampa Bay. Now, I mentioned I had them going 5-11. and 11. Not, I mean, They don't have the easiest schedule. They have to go to the Rams, obviously in the division with New Orleans. Uh, they have to go to Tennessee, who, if you remember, I have winning the AFC South. They have to travel to Seattle. They have to travel, uh, or they have to play Indianapolis and Houston out of the AFC South. And they travel to Detroit, which may not seem like much of a task, um, but we'll see where I have Detroit uh, come the end of the year. Uh, combine the fact with uh, of their somewhat difficult schedule to the fact that I just don't think they're all that good. Um, yeah, you know, they've still got Mike Evans and Jameis Winston. Uh, they signed another running back to go on with Peyton Barber. Um, I just, I feel like the Bucks were so inconsistent and such a mess last year. I just don't see them, even with Bruce Arians at the helm, I, in that division, I just don't do not see Tampa Bay doing much of anything uh, in the NFC South this year. 5-11, and 11, sorry if you're a Bucks fan and don't like it. That's just the way it is. I mean, honestly, if you go back to last year, they were 5-11 and 11 last year. I mean, to think they had some really strong wins, they had a 48-40 win in the first game of last year's Fitzmagic. They beat the defending world champion Eagles in week two. You know, they, they finished out as, as badly as you could, you could expect. That's why I have them going again 5-11 and 11 this year. I think you're going to see them be a little more competitive, but it's not going to change their record. Moving on from Tampa Bay, I have what might be a surprising pick to finish third in the division, and that would be the Carolina Panthers. Now, last year they were 11-5 and and went to the wild card round of playoffs only to lose uh, their one and only playoff game and go home early. Now, this year they have, have made some big ads in safety Eric Reed. Linebacker Bruce Irvin, wide receiver Chris Hogan, and Aldrick Robinson. Uh, they have released Captain Motherland, uh, Hurts Me to the Heart, former Gamecock, defensive back, and Matt Khalil, offensive lineman. Uh, had a decent draft in Brian Burns, linebacker, defensive end, as well as Will Greer, the quarterback from, I believe, West Virginia. <laughs> now, I've talked to a lot of people about the Will Greer draft pick because it's been kind of tossed around as Will Greer the replacement for Cam Newton, or is he there just to learn under Cam Newton and kind of maybe bring some, some competition to the quarterback position in Carolina? It doesn't matter. Will Greer was a great pick. He's got a great arm. He had a great season last year. Uh, you know, if, if Cam Newton's health continues to d decline and deteriorate, I'm excited to see if Will Greer is going to take the reins. I've said it before, Cam Newton will never win a quarterback. Uh, I'm sorry, will never win a Super Bowl as quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, and this year is no exception. You know, similarly to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have a, a decently difficult schedule. They start off the season against the Rams. I've got that as a loss. They travel to Houston, which I have as a loss. Um, you know, they're going to look going in, they're going to look really good going into about week nine or 10. Uh, but I think you're going to start seeing them slip. They have a stretch where they have to play Tennessee at Green Bay, Atlanta, and at New Orleans. I just, I think that that's going to be too much of a, of a difficult stretch for them to overcome. Eight and eight is respectable. It's only three losses. Uh, more than last year. Unfortunately, it's going to take him to third place in the division. I, I think that there's a there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of question marks on that team. They released Kelvin Benjamin last year. Not, nobody really cared. Kelvin Benjamin's overweight. 
You can. I, I just. I don't see Calvin Benjamin as an NFL receiver. Uh, and then you know they opened the range to Devin Funches, which I should have mentioned is, is one of their key losses. Uh, it's a free agency to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, and they and like I said, they picked up Chris Hogan and and you know picked up another wide receiver. But outside of that, I mean, I know they've got my, my guy Demir Bird. Uh, you know, they've they've got Curtis Samuel, but. There's not really a lot to talk and brag about when it comes to the Carolina uh, wide receiver room. Now, their running back is a monster. Christian McCaffrey looks like he shouldn't be I, – I can't even describe him. Like, when I see him on the field, he just he looks so much smaller than everybody else, but he's just so elusive. And this is going to come off kind of funny. But, you know, because you see guys like Julian Edelman and, and Danny Amendola in years past as, as, as slot receivers. Uh, Danny, Danny Woodhead uh, was, was a, another guy that kind of, you know, stands out. Christian McCaffrey just he, – he is deceptively fast. And that's to say that he is – I mean, he's a, he's a short white running back. Like, you don't – you don't expect to see that in the NFL be successful as it is. I mean, the last, you know, quote-unquote right running back that, that made a name for himself in the NFL is Peyton Hillis. And the Madden curse killed him. Um, I've seen pictures of Christian McCaffrey this offseason. And, I mean, the guy is jacked. Look for Christian McCaffrey to have a really good fantasy season. Uh, their defense might actually be pretty decent. Um I just I, – I don't think – you've got to have to see – you're going to have to see Cam Newton in action. But I've got to see a a healed arm. I mean, late last season, they, they pulled him at the end of games when they had to throw Hail Marys because he just did not have the strength to throw the deep ball. Combine that with who does he have to throw a deep ball to? Who does he have to throw a jump ball to uh, in the end zone in Carolina – uh, Greg Olson is getting older. I think outside of Christian McCaffrey, who unfortunately I don't want to see them run him into the ground, but I feel like that's what's going to happen. And Carolina is going to have a, an up-and-down season, uh, more down towards the end of the year because they're going to finish an 8-8. Eight and eight. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people wondering, well, what happened to, what happened to Carolina a couple years ago? They were Super Bowl contenders, and now they're they're finishing 500. Sorry again. Uh, it's just it's it's the way I see it coming. Carolina finishes eight and eight. Next up, I'm going to give away the team who I have winning a division uh, because the second place team I have finishing ten and six are the Atlanta Falcons. Now, last year they had a disappointing season, finishing seven and nine. They had a lot of injuries, but they also showed a lot of of offensive promise when it comes to their wide receiver tandem in last year's rookie, Calvin Ridley, along with Julio Jones, who doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Uh, I, I think they're going to rebound from a 7-9 and nine season and pick up those three wins that Carolina's losing to finish 10-6. and six. Sure, if you look at their schedule, it's, it's not easy either. I mean, they get the, the differences that they get Seattle at home. Um, they get Jacksonville at home, Philadelphia at home. I just feel like they have more games that, had they be on the road, they might be a little more difficult for them. Um, but but I just I feel like the Falcons had a somewhat down year last year, and it was uncharacteristic because of of all the injuries. Now I say that they lost uh, they lost Tevin Coleman to free agency. They did not pick up their option for their longtime kicker Matt Bryant. Um, I think they, they went and signed Jeremy Langford, a uh, former Chicago running back, to replace Tevin Coleman. Hopefully, Devontae Freeman can stay healthy this year. But I think if this team can find a, stay health, stay, find a way to stay healthy this year, I think you've got the Falcons having a pretty decent season at 10-6. and six. Uh, Well, you know, later on when we finish picking the, the other NFC divisions, we'll see if that 10-6 and six is good enough to get them into the postseason. So that brings me to who I have winning the NFC South in 2019. And it's only happened a, a couple of times for a repeat division champion. 
But that's who I have it coming with the New Orleans Saints. And unfortunately, I've got them with an identical record as they had last year at 13-3. and three. I can't help that's the way it works. But when I was breaking down their schedule, that's just where I wound up having them at. You know, granted, they, they had a, they had a, a much busier offseason than, than many, many can think of. Uh, they added tight end Jared Cook, former Gamecock, had a really big season last year in Oakland. I'm hoping he can come over and fill that void that Jimmy Graham left there a couple years ago. Also signed Malcolm Brown, and after losing uh, Mark Ingram, went out and signed, former again, another former Raider, and Latavius Murray. They also lost Alex Okafor, a big defensive loss for them. Uh, however, they, they replaced one of their offensive linemen who decided to uh, retire, I wouldn't say prematurely, but before anybody expected him to, uh, with offensive lineman out of Texas A&M, Eric McCoy, who is, it should be a really big pickup for them, along with safety uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, listen, it's kind of like the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady thing. As long as you've got Drew Brees and Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints are going to be are, are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, if you, if you if you really want to go back and I mean, you could, I don't like dwelling on things. Uh, over over the last few years, I've learned to sort of let go a little bit easier when it comes to certain things like a an off season like a, a a bad bowl game for Carolina uh South Carolina I should say for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about when they get blown out by a team like Virginia in a bowl game that used to wreck my entire Carolina off season like I used to dwell on that for a while and it used to just eat me away like it would it used to eat away at me and over the years, I've had to realize that that's, that's not a healthy way to cope. Uh, however, I think Saints, some Saints fans, most Saints fans, are probably not done dwelling on the NFC Championship game last year, in which many, myself included, feel like they were robbed out of a chance to play in the Super Bowl. And I truly believe, personally, had the Rams played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, we would have gotten a much better football game than what we got between the Rams and the Patriots, which turned into another Patriots Super Bowl. I think we all wanted, or maybe the most of the, I guess, traditional football fans would have liked to have seen a Drew Brees, Tom Brady, winner, retire sort of game in the Super Bowl. And we were, essentially we were, for lack of better terms, we were robbed of that. I think that's going to continue to drive the motivation for the New Orleans Saints. And the only three games that I have them losing are at the Seattle Seahawks because for whatever reason, I don't think New Orleans has ever ever necessarily played well in Seattle. If you remember that, that huge run by Marshawn Lynch a few years ago in the playoffs, that's the one that stands out to me. I have them losing at Chicago. We'll, we'll get to the Chicago. My next NFC division I'm breaking down is the NFC North. Uh, Chicago's got a, a ridiculous defense that has done nothing but, if not stayed the same, gotten better coming into the season. And then, you know, I've got them dropping a game they probably shouldn't drop against the team who will finish second in the division in the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and I've got them basically winning every other game. I mean, it's not that they have a – a difficult schedule, but they get Houston, who I've got them winning. They play a rematch against the Rams, and I think that is going to be more of a of a payback game than than we've ever seen before. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I, I got New Orleans winning that game because they should have won the playoff game last year. Uh, granted, again, they have lost Mark Ingram, picked up Latavius Murray. Call it what you want. I don't think it's must. I don't think that makes a big of a difference because Alvin Kamara uh, is just – he's too much of a beast at running back to just shrug, shruff off and, and, and try to figure who's going to be the backup running back because Kamara is going to be the guy. You're not going to have to worry about whether or not they're going to get Mark Ingram his touches, now Latavius Murray his touches. 
because it's going to be the Drew Brees, uh, Alvin Kamara show, uh, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook. I mean, that offense is just going to be explosive. So, unfortunately for, for Bucks fans, uh, not much to, to see different than, than last year. You're in for another long season. Panthers 8-8 eight and, eight, eight and eight's not that bad. And there's a there's a good chance that they could surprise me again next year, and and maybe maybe jump in that spot with that the Falcons have got holding right now at second. Uh, but like I said, this year is going to be another division championship, another division title for the Sean Payton, Drew Brees led New Orleans Saints. Listen, everybody, this has been a really fun show. I had more fun talking about these topics between uh, the, our our main event. NFC South and our, our opening bell talking about paying college athletes with scholarships from EA Sports, Electronic Arts Sports. Bring back NCAA football, man. That's what I want. Uh, that's a game that I never put down, so I'm, I'm making another plea. Bring back NCAA football. So, and like I said, thanks everybody for listening. This has been really fun to come back to. My next show, we may have another Gridiron Man of the Week. I'm going to break down another AFC division. Maybe it'll be the East. Maybe it'll be the North. I don't know. Have to tune in to find out. Uh, And like I said, reach out to me via social media. I want to know what people want to hear me talk about. I want people to debate me on where they think I'm wrong about something, whatever the case may be. Uh, You know, reach out, again, on Twitter at tapoutsandtds via email, touchdowns at gmail.com follow and like me on facebook at tapouts and touchdowns it's it's been my pleasure to bring this show to you today bully rye is signing out and i will see you on the other side